0: Eight. Eight. Salt Man 11, Episode 1 Judge or be judged Here we go, here we go street sweepers Step aside Mongols, the maggots are sprawling down the ramp I'm head first into a bucket, a tub of manly silky camp Things are happening beyond my reach, a 9 millimetre in the breach Look at the past, past bastards came in view, a pot of mould for each. Centimetres from supposed death. leather leopards and glass. Kick me in the eyes, stomach, spleen, achilles and arse. My lost boys will clean this town, frowning and grimacing. Polish the Bren gun, a thousand rounds approach ricochet. So the mishap in the laneway was a bit of a fizzer. We couldn't get the stolen goods from the middle class in Box Hill, Blackburn, Forest Hill and Keatswood to the upper middle class in Albert, Surrey Hills, Campbellwell and the grey-clad enclaves of the inner east. Now we had been stealing and doing ram raids on various Middle Eastern and Outer Eastern suburbs. We had stockpiles of goods at the Nocturnal Village and Bog Shed with no slippery buyers ready to throw fistfuls of Kenneth's green, coins and state bank cheques. We needed to get the goods to the men and make our pillowcases of pineapples bigger than Max Walker's moustache. It was Sunday morning, hanging out at the Nocturnal Village communal room. Me, Buzzburn, Stevenson, Mono Brow, T-34 and Hunter were hanging out watching videos of the Westgate Bridge 1 pre-collapse. There was a great ABC doco about the food hut underneath it where they sold amazing dim-sims. I mean amazing. The ABC late 1960s reporter smirking as he stuffed mega-steamed dim-sims drenched in Mao's black sauce. We drank tea watching the grainy VHS recording when the bat phone rang. We were finishing our Blavo, that's brunch in the Avo, when I picked it up and received a call from Bog's middleman, Pipe Riper. Pipe said he had a buyer from the expensive old man gear we'd stolen from San Russell menwear in No Man's Land, Mitcham. We had boxes of berets, we had velour smoking jackets, uh, cravats, uh, Ben Man slacks, the whole works. We've been trying to dump these off with the inner suburbs accomplished man, but no luck yet. This time, we had, suppo- we had a supposed buyer. Rip- uh, sorry, Pipe Riper said that we just needed to get the goods to Box House, then get it on a train. A train? I thought it was a bit weird, but it meant that the Jacks couldn't trace the stolen goods back to Box Hill Maniac Mongooses. Us the Leather Rippers. So we'd spoken to Nimrod and he'd agreed to come and set up a special Red Rattler carriage to take us from Mont Albert to the destination. Boxhill Station was crawling with undercover jacks since the Met Gumby had been busted for selling Satan's Panadol to Keith Rankin type video dogs, wanting to videotape their drug dealer at the Boxhill train station. Kind of like a suicide Christopher Dale Flannery throwing a Puma leather gym bag of Indochine dream dust. So we headed over to Box with a big truckload of gentlemen's gear, then get it into Red Rattler from the graffiti ridden Mount Albert station. So me and Byron Slasinger rolled a number of clothes on milk crates on skateboards to the station and we waited for Nimrod to arrive, with a single carriage relic to take us to the rich man's paradise of Camberwell. Me and Byron were standing there in the cool Melbourne air, waiting for the Belgrave nerd to speed down the tracks, while we witnessed multiple heroinized Tompkinson related losers doing lame tags, on the already busy New York-style wrecked walls of old Mount Albert station. We stood pensively in some real upper-class male gear. All of a sudden, we see an older type of Met Train lights speeding down the Belgrave-Wooldale line. Nimrod's done it. He's resurrected his Red Rattler and we have a mode of transport to Camberwell. A couple of stoners to try to get into the single carriage. After a few scuffles, we just let them on. They were pretty stoked to be on a 1970s runaway caboose, express elevator to hell, but they got pretty nervous when they realized there was no lights on the single carriage and me and Byron were doing the mannequin ghoul pose. We just stood at the back, and at the, right at the back end in the darkness, and humming loudly, as we sped past Surrey Kills, Shaddam, Canterbo- Canterbury, and Beast Bargerwell. As we coasted into Campbellwell, Nimrod almost derailed for a few seconds, and at this time the Five Stoners almost shat their unwashed stussy pants, or crabbed their slacks, in other words. We rolled up, rolled out, of our, and rolled out our crate of goods, and we waved goodbye. To the train nerd Nimrod and headed to the next destination and where was that nowhere else but the underground car park next to the arcane pathetic 1920s rotting Art Deco Riverly rotting cinema so me and Byron headed down to quiet Burke Road past the darkened souls heading for a pint of Big Dean export blonde ale at the palace as me and Mr. Slasinger made our way into the car park. We stood around for at least 20 bloody minutes, smoking roll- rolled-up cigarettes and talking about Byron's upcoming art installation. A single poll displaying a list of people he'd recently wanted to murder. Provocative stuff. So as I hung on his every word, as the great white maggot chatted with the art fart master Byron, a glistening Jaguar, and a disconcerting Bedford van rumbled down the ramp of the incredibly dark car park. All of a sudden, a massive old bald ogre with an English accent stumbled out and ordered Get the ruddy gear off the lorry, you naff uphill gardeners! We silently piled in me actually getting worried as we tailed behind the brand new Jaguar I tried to get a glimpse of who was driving it I could only make out an outline. Where were we going? And what was going to happen? I asked the massive gargoyle some questions but he just turned up his AM radio playing dull, dark, late 90s, 50s, 1950s bittersweet tones. I think it was The Buttermilk's greatest hits. For some reason, we were heading back to Box Hill area, this time via Riversdale Road. I was starting to get Magallo nervous, all of a sudden we rolled into the Magallo Cool Mansion on the corner of Warringal and Rivers Diddle Road. A 1960s modernist dream house really, towering over Wattle Park Golf Course. So the Bedford rolled up behind the Jaguar, a massive sparkling Cadillac already sitting in the driveway. The driver of the Jaguar darted off into a small office the base of the building, a strange small room sitting on ground floor. I peeked through the Venetians, lowered one down a bit and a couple of early 1960s Italian looking men with hats and suits smoking very long cigarettes were in this smoke-filled room. Ancient lamps giving a dull and sinister look as the Melbourne rain started to make an even more film noir like some strange scenario that you'd see in a film long before Normi Rowe was bashing gypsies and can- gy- bashing gypsies and kangaroos with his cricket set. So the mystery man was in his obscured office when the English oaf ordered us into a doorway in the driveway, which was actually an elevator. Who the heck has elevators in the suburbs? Apart from arty scum, murderers, leeches and politicians associated with a decade of disasters, normally rode at the helm of a dinghy of death with an anchor made of leopard stingrays. We rose with our boxes of yuppie old man gear to the first floor, Ding chimed, and our jaws dropped. It was like I'd travelled in time to the absolute coolest Early 1960s joint of a pad. I almost smelled the satanic scent of Sammy Davis' genius in the air. Awesome yellow brown interior, a pool room, bar, and a view of the city in the distance. Cool heroinized jazz creating a tantalizing combination of not only, it not only made me hot with anger and hope, but caused me to go into a trance. It was like any moment Jimmy Dean or Cagney Racy was going to step out and offer us a cocktail or a smooth grog called or a cocktail called Jimmy Somerville. Somerville. So there we stood at the bar listening to jazz and playing some pool, having a few cocktails. The are standing in the corner silently. Me and Byron were loving the atmosphere. All of a sudden the lift dimmed and light shone behind a short, balding figure then. Well, hello, boys. Let's see what you rapscallion-boganic princes have raptured our pleasant well here with your glowing white smiles. Let's see their smiles, boys. Me and Byron froze. It was none other than the illustrious, arty Melbourne character Bernard King. Famous for being the brutal, entertaining homo sapien of the 1980s, Australasian show Pol Pot Opium. An amateur 80s series on Channel Whatever, where talentless Aussies went on and got brutalized by a panel of winners. Ernie Sigley, a random idiot, and Bernard King, would dish out scores worthy of a Soviet prisoner at the hands of a Waffen squad of icy northern European humanoids. All of a sudden Bernard the Spectre King had us parading the stolen goods from Mitchum as he turned up the music, drank more, and yelled judgments at us. Byron, being with the same ilk, even thought, even though he never talked about us behind the scenes antics, admitted the standards and tactics Bernard was using confusing flattery, insults and arrogance. Only a thespian professional of his kind could ever get away with. He dished out the following as we paraded the latest overpriced European mature menswear with the following comments. This is what he said. Oh, spin it again, Sam. Oh, wallop that wallaby, I'm wearing that for Sin Summer. Oh, I've got Impala Kitchens, Kitchens cooking me some bestial delights. Will you be the main course? All of a sudden, Bernard got real, real close. I mean, right up close. Because I'd been accidentally snorting opium off the pool chalk. I really didn't understand the gravity. But Byron knew. He was a man of, of love and could see through the smoke and sweaty man facades. We paraded a few more outfits, Bernard all of a sudden was stripping and Byron grabbed me screaming, "Soul Runner, let's run man beast. We ran naked down the stairs this time with no regrets for the lot of menswear we never received cash for. In the cold raining Melbourne night, we darted through Wattle Park, weary of Kevin Hawthorne loser ninjas and pedos and Green Lantern after-party waste hours. Me and Byron made it back empty-handed, jogging like asthmatic animals for over an hour back to the nocturnal village. We arrived back at the comforting, warm, welcoming, non-confrontational atmosphere of the N.C. Me and Byron were comforted with grey blankets, barbecued burnt meat, long necks of the wonderful Ringwood Stout, and a chat with the smoothing, rabbit. The hate yabby, yabby well we were lucky to escape the somewhat tempting scenario of, of fame of sexiness of cash now we were out and it was somewhat cautionary of a tale of trying to make money in a confusing and perverted scene we sat right back smoked a whole jam's worth of bongs and laughed at the recent brush with fame I need to be relieved of the the disaster. Well that was close, real close. Seasons don't fear the reaper, neither does the salt man. Except for when humans watch Caravan of Courage. That's truly terrifying. Beasts of bourbon, southern cycling units of meat, bust my pimples.